Chapter 54 of The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 54 A Flurry in Stocks. Some days after this meeting, Albert de Morcerf visited the Count of Monte Cristo at his house in the Champs Elysees, which had already assumed that palace like appearance which the count's princely fortune enabled him to give even to his most temporary residences he came to renew the thanks of madame d'anglars which had been already conveyed to the count through the medium of a letter signed baron d'anglars ne hermine de servieux albert was accompanied by lucien de bray who joining in his friend's conversation added some passing compliments the source of which the count's talent for finesse easily enabled him to guess he was convinced that lucien's visit was due to a double feeling of curiosity the larger half of which sentiment emanated from the rue de la chaussee d'antin in short madame d'anglars not being able personally to examine in detail the domestic economy and household arrangements of a man who gave away horses worth thirty thousand francs and who went to the opera with a greek slave wearing diamonds to the amount of a million of money had deputed these eyes by which she was accustomed to see to give her a faithful account of the mode of life of this incomprehensible person but the count did not appear to suspect that there would be the slightest connection between lucien's visit and the curiosity of the baroness you are in constant communication with the baron d'anglars the count inquired of albert de morcerf yes count you know what i told you all remains the same then in that quarter it is more than ever a settled thing said lucien and considering that this remark was all that he was at the time called upon to make he adjusted the glass to his eye and biting the top of his gold-headed cane began to make the tour of the apartment examining the arms and the pictures ah said monte cristo i did not expect that the affair would be so promptly concluded oh things take their course without our assistance while we are forgetting them they are falling into their appointed order and when again our attention is directed to them we are surprised at the progress they have made towards the proposed end my father and monsieur d'anglars served together in spain my father in the army and monsieur d'anglars in the commissariat department it was there that my father ruined by the revolution and monsieur d'anglars who never had possessed any patrimony both laid the foundations of their different fortunes yes said monte cristo i think monsieur d'anglars mentioned that in a visit which i paid him and continued he casting a side glance at lucien who was turning over the leaves of an album mademoiselle eugenie is pretty i think i remember that to be her name very pretty or rather very beautiful replied albert but of that style of beauty which i do not appreciate i am an ungrateful fellow you speak as if you were already her husband ah returned albert in his turn looking around to see what lucien was doing really said monte cristo lowering his voice you do not appear to me to be very enthusiastic on the subject of this marriage 
Mademoiselle Donglard is too rich for me, replied Morcerf, and that frightens me. Bah! exclaimed Monte Cristo, that's a fine reason to give. And you not rich yourself? My father's income is about fifty thousand francs per annum, and he will give me perhaps ten or twelve thousand when I marry. That perhaps might not be considered a large sum, in Paris especially, said the Count. But everything does not depend on wealth, and it is a fine thing to have a good name and to occupy a high station in society. Your name is celebrated, your position magnificent, and then the Comte de Morcerf is a soldier, and it is pleasing to see the integrity of a Bayard united to the poverty of a Dugosclin. Disinterestedness is the brightest ray in which a noble sword can shine. As for me, I consider the union with Mademoiselle Danglars a most suitable one. She will enrich you, and you will ennoble her. Albert shook his head, and looked thoughtful. "'There is still something else,' said he. "'I confess,' observed Monte Cristo, "'that I have some difficulty in comprehending your objection "'to a young lady who is both rich and beautiful.' "'Oh,' said Morcerf, "'this repugnance, if repugnance it may be called, "'is not all on my side. "'Whence can it arise, then?' for you told me your father desired the marriage. It is my mother who dissents. She has a clear and penetrating judgment, and does not smile on the proposed union. I cannot account for it, but she seems to entertain some prejudice against the Donglars. Ah, said the Count in a somewhat forced tone, that may be easily explained. The Comtesse de Morcerf, who is aristocracy and refinement itself does not relish the idea of being allied by your marriage with one of ignoble birth that is natural enough i do not know if that is her reason said albert but one thing i do know that if this marriage be consummated it will render her quite miserable there was to have been a meeting six weeks ago in order to talk over and settle the affair but I had such a sudden attack of indisposition. Real? interrupted the Count, smiling. Oh, real enough, from anxiety, doubtless. At any rate, they postponed the matter for two months. There is no hurry, you know. I am not yet twenty-one, and Eugenie is only seventeen. But the two months expire next week. It must be done. My dear Count, you cannot imagine how my mind is harassed, how happy you are in being exempt from all this. Well, and why should you not be free too? What prevents you from being so? Oh, it will be too great a disappointment to my father if I do not marry Mademoiselle Donglars. Marry her, then, said the Count, with a significant shrug of the shoulders. Yes, replied Morcerf. "'but that will plunge my mother into positive grief.' "'Then do not marry her,' said the Count. "'Well, I shall see. "'I will try and think over what is the best thing to be done. "'You will give me your advice, will you not? "'And if possible, extricate me from my unpleasant position. "'I think, rather than give pain to my dear mother, "'I would run the risk of offending the Count. 
Monte Cristo turned away. He seemed moved by this last remark. Ah, said he to Debray, who had thrown himself into an easy chair at the farthest extremity of the salon, and who held a pencil in his right hand and an account book in his left. What are you doing there? Are you making a sketch after Poussin? Oh, no, was the tranquil response. I am too fond of art to attempt anything of that sort. I am doing a little sum in arithmetic. In arithmetic? Yes, I am calculating. By the way, Morcerf, that indirectly concerns you. I am calculating what the house of Donglars must have gained by the last rise in Haiti bonds. From 206, they have risen to 409 in three days, and the prudent banker had purchased at 206. Therefore, he must have made 300,000 livres. That is not his biggest scoop, said Morcerf. Did he not make a million in Spaniards this last year? My dear fellow, said Lucien, here is the Count of Monte Cristo, who will say to you as the Italians do, Danaro e Santita, meta della meta. Money and sanctity, each in a moiety. When they tell me such things, I only shrug my shoulders and say nothing. But you were speaking of Haitians, said Monte Cristo. Ah, Haitians, that is quite another thing. Haitians are the account of French stock jobbing. We may like Bouillot, delight in whist, be enraptured with Boston, and yet grow tired of them all. But we always come back to Eckhart. It is not only a game, it is our hors d'oeuvre. Monsieur Danglars sold yesterday at four or five, and pockets three hundred thousand francs. Had he but waited to today, the price would have fallen to two hundred and five, and instead of gaining three hundred thousand francs, he would have lost twenty or twenty-five thousand. "'And what has caused the sudden fall from 409 to 206?' asked Monte Cristo. "'I am profoundly ignorant of all these stock-jobbing intrigues.' "'Because,' said Albert, laughing, "'one piece of news follows another, and there is often great dissimilarity between them.' "'Ah,' said the Count, I see that Monsieur Danglars is accustomed to play at gaining or losing three hundred thousand francs in a day. He must be enormously rich. It is not he who plays, exclaimed Lucien. It is Madame Danglars. She is indeed daring. But you who are a reasonable being, Lucien, and who knows how little dependence is to be placed on the news, since you are at the fountainhead, "'Surely you ought to prevent it,' said Morcerf with a smile. "'How can I, if her husband fails in controlling her?' asked Lucien. "'You know the character of the baroness. "'No one has any influence with her, and she does precisely what she pleases.' "'Ah, if I were in your place,' said Albert. "'Well?' "'I would reform her. "'It would be rendering a service to her future son-in-law.' How would you set about it? Ah, that would be easy enough. I would give her a lesson. A lesson? Yes, your position as secretary to the minister renders your authority great on the subject of political news. 
you never open your mouth but the stockbrokers immediately stenograph your words cause her to lose a hundred thousand francs and that would teach her prudence i do not understand stammered lucien it is very clear notwithstanding replied the young man with an artlessness wholly free from affectation tell her some fine morning an unheard-of piece of intelligence some telegraphic dispatch of which you alone are in possession for instance that henri fourth was seen yesterday at gabriel's that would boom the market she will buy heavily and she will certainly lose when beauchamp announces the following day in his gazette the report circulated by some usually well-informed persons that the king was seen yesterday at gabriel's house is totally without foundation we can positively assert that his majesty did not quit the pont neuf lucien half smiled monte cristo although apparently indifferent had not lost one word of this conversation and his penetrating eye had even read a hidden secret in the embarrassed manner of the secretary this embarrassment had completely escaped albert but it caused lucien to shorten his visit he was evidently ill at ease the count in taking leave of him said something in a low voice to which he answered willingly count i accept the count returned to young morcerf do you not think on reflection said he to him that you have done wrong in thus speaking of your mother-in-law in the presence of monsieur debray my dear count said morcerf i beg of you not to apply that title so prematurely now speaking without any exaggeration is your mother really so very much averse to this marriage so much so that the baroness very rarely comes to the house and my mother has not i think visited madame danglars twice in her whole life then said the count i am emboldened to speak openly to you monsieur danglars is my banker monsieur de villefort has overwhelmed me with politeness in return for a service which a casual piece of good fortune enabled me to render him i predict from all this an avalanche of dinners and routs now in order not to presume on this and also to be beforehand with them i have if agreeable to you thought of inviting monsieur and madame danglars and monsieur and madame de villefort to my country house at auteuil if i were to invite you and the count and countess of morcerf to this dinner i should give it the appearance of being a matrimonial meeting or at least madame de morcerf would look upon the affair in that light especially if baron danglars did me the honour to bring his daughter in that case your mother would hold me in aversion and i do not at all wish that on the contrary i desire to stand high in her esteem indeed count said morcerf i thank you sincerely for having used so much candour towards me and i gratefully accept the exclusion which you propose you say you desire my mother's good opinion i assure you it is already yours to a very unusual extent do you think so said monte cristo with interest oh i am sure of it we talked of you an hour after you left us the other day but to return to what we were saying 
if my mother could know of this attention on your part and i will venture to tell her i am sure that she will be most grateful to you it is true that my father will be equally angry the count laughed well <laughs> said he to morcerf but i think your father will not be the only angry one monsieur and madame danglars will think me a very ill-mannered person they know that i am intimate with you that you are in fact one of the oldest of my parisian acquaintances and they will not find you at my house they will certainly ask me why i did not invite you be sure to provide yourself with some previous engagement which shall have a semblance of probability and communicate the fact to me by a line in writing you know that with bankers nothing but a written document will be valid i will do better than that said albert my mother is wishing to go to the seaside what day is fixed for your dinner saturday this is tuesday well to-morrow evening we leave and the day after we shall be at treport really count you have a delightful way of setting people at their ease indeed you give me more credit than i deserve i only wish to do what will be agreeable to you that is all when shall we send your invitations this very day well i will immediately call on monsieur danglars and tell him that my mother and myself must leave paris to-morrow i have not seen you consequently i know nothing of your dinner how foolish you are have you forgotten that monsieur debray has just been at my house ah true fix it this way i have seen you and invited you without any ceremony when you instantly answer that it would be impossible for you to accept as you were going to trepore well then that is settled but you will come and call on my mother before to-morrow before to-morrow that will be a difficult matter to arrange besides i shall just be in the way of all the preparations for departure well you can do better you were only a charming man before but if you accede to my proposal you will be adorable what must i do to attain such sublimity you are to-day as free as air come and dine with me we shall be a small party only yourself my mother and i you have scarcely seen my mother you shall have an opportunity of observing her more closely she is a remarkable woman and i only regret that there does not exist another like her about twenty years younger in that case i assure you there would very soon be a countess and viscountess of morcerf as to my father you will not see him he is officially engaged and dines with the chief referendary we will talk over our travels and you who have seen the whole world will relate your adventures you should tell us the history of the beautiful greek who was with you the other night at the opera and whom you call your slave and yet treat like a princess we will talk italian and spanish come accept my invitation and my mother will thank you 
a thousand thanks said the count your invitation is most gracious and i regret exceedingly that it is not in my power to accept it i am not so much at liberty as you suppose on the contrary i have a most important engagement ah take care you were teaching me just now how in case of an invitation to dinner one might creditably make an excuse i require the proof of a pre-engagement i am not a banker like monsieur Donglard, but i am quite as incredulous as he is i am going to give you a proof replied the count and he rang the bell huh said morcerf this is the second time you have refused to dine with my mother it is evident that you wish to avoid her monte cristo started oh you do not mean that said he besides here comes the confirmation of my assertion baptistin entered and remaining standing at the door i had no previous knowledge of your visit had i indeed you are such an extraordinary person that i would not answer for it at all events i could not guess that you would invite me to dinner probably not well listen baptistine what did i tell you this morning when i called you into my laboratory to close the door against visitors as soon as the clock struck five replied the valet what then ah my dear count said albert no no i wish to do away with that mysterious reputation that you have given me my dear viscount it is tiresome to be always acting manfred i wish my life to be free and open go on baptistine then to admit no one except major bartolomeo cavalcanti and his son you hear major bartolomeo cavalcanti a man who ranks amongst the most ancient nobility of italy whose name dante has celebrated in the tenth canto of the inferno you remember it do you not then there is his son andrea a charming young man about your own age viscount bearing the same title as yourself and who is making his entry into the parisian world aided by his father's millions the major will bring his son with him this evening the contino as we say in italy he confides him to my care if he proves himself worthy of it i will do what i can to advance his interests you will assist me in the work will you not most undoubtedly this major cavalcanti is an old friend of yours then by no means he is a perfect nobleman very polite modest and agreeable such as may be found constantly in italy descendants of very ancient families i have met him several times at florence bologna and lucca and he has now communicated to me the fact of his arrival in paris the acquaintances one makes in travelling have a sort of claim on one they everywhere expect to receive the same attention which you once paid them by chance as though the civilities of a passing hour were likely to awaken any lasting interest in favour of the man in whose society you may happen to be thrown in the course of your journey this good major cavalcanti is come to take a second view of paris which he only saw in passing through in the time of the empire when he was on his way to moscow 
I shall give him a good dinner. He will confide his son to my care. I will promise to watch over him. I shall let him follow in whatever path his folly may lead him. And then I shall have done my part. Certainly I see you are a model mentor, said Albert. Good-bye. We shall return on Sunday, by the way. I have received news of France. Have you? Is he still amusing himself in Italy? I believe so. However, he regrets your absence extremely. He says you were the son of Rome, and that without you all appears dark and cloudy. I do not know if he does not even go so far as to say that it rains. His opinion of me is altered for the better, then. No, he still persists in looking upon you as the most incomprehensible and mysterious of beings. He is a charming young man, said Monte Cristo, and I felt a lively interest in him the very first evening of my introduction, when I met him in the search of a supper, and prevailed upon him to accept a portion of mine. He is, I think, the son of General d'Epinay. He is the same who was so shamefully assassinated in 1815. By the Bonapartists. Yes, really, I like him extremely. Is there not also a matrimonial engagement contemplated for him? Yes, sir, he is to marry Mademoiselle de Villefort. Indeed. And you know I am to marry Mademoiselle Donglard, said Albert, laughing. You smile. Yes. Why do you do so? I smile because there appears to me about as much inclination for the consummation of the engagement in question as there is for my own. But really, my dear Count, we are talking as much of women as they do of us. It is unpardonable. Albert rose. Are you going? Really, that is a good idea. Two hours have I been boring you to death with my company, and then you, with the greatest politeness, ask me if I am going. Indeed, Count, you are the most polished man in the world, and your servants too. How very well behaved they are. There is quite a style about them. Monsieur Baptistin, especially, I could never get such a man as that. My servants seem to imitate those you sometimes see in a play, who, because they have only a word or two to say, acquit themselves in the most awkward manner possible. Therefore, if you part with Monsieur Baptistin, give me the refusal of him. By all means. That is not all. Give my compliments to your illustrious Lucanese, Cavalcante of the Cavalcanti, and if by any chance you should be wishing to establish his son, find him a wife very rich, very noble on her mother's side at least, and a baroness in a right of her father, I will help you in the search. Ah, you will do as much as that, will you? Yes. Well, really nothing is certain in this world. Oh, Count, what a service you might render me. I should like you a hundred times better if by intervention I could manage to remain a bachelor, even were it only for ten years. Nothing is impossible, 
gravely replied monte cristo and taking leave of albert he returned into the house and struck the gong three times bertuccio appeared monsieur bertuccio you understand that i intend entertaining company on saturday at Doy. bertuccio slightly started i shall require your services to see that all be properly arranged it is a beautiful house or at all events may be made so there must be a good deal done before it can deserve that title your excellency for the tapestry hangings are very old let them all be taken away and changed then with the exception of the sleeping chamber which is hung with red damask you will leave that exactly as it is bertuccio bowed you will not touch the garden either as to the yard you may do what you please with it i should prefer that being altered beyond all recognition i will do everything in my power to carry out your wishes your excellency i should be glad however to receive your excellency's commands concerning the dinner really my dear monsieur bertuccio said the count since you have been in paris you have become quite nervous and apparently out of your element you no longer seem to understand me but surely your excellency will be so good as to inform me whom you are expecting to receive i do not yet know myself neither it is necessary that you should do so lucullus dines with lucullus that is quite sufficient bertuccio bowed and left the room End of chapter 54